Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey everyone, I'm Megan Teets and this is Sorta Awesome. show that is all about uncovering the awesome in the everyday. Each week, my co-hosts and I give our favorite tips, share our best stories, and confide our true confessions as we invite you to join us in the pursuit of awesome. This is episode 54 of the show, and our favorite Hollywood housewife is right here with me live in studio. And by in-studio, I mean right here in my cozy bedroom in Oklahoma City. And we are recording for the first time ever in person. Now, I hope we don't get too distracted giggling, but we are going to talk all about friendship today. In fact, we are going to get a little bit bossy on the topic because we are going to tell you the 10 friends every woman needs in her life. That's coming up later in the show. But first, let's start the way we always do with Awesome of the Week. Laura, I cannot wait to hear yours. Hi, everyone. I can't believe we're sitting together. (laughs) I know. We're face to face. It's so crazy. It's better this way. So much better. Yeah. I wish it could be this way every week. I know. It's very fun. Okay. My Awesome of the Week, I'm actually really excited about this time. It is a documentary airing on HBO right now. Mm Mm-hmm about Nora Ephron. It's called Everything is Copy. Okay. I haven't seen it, but I've heard so much buzz about it. It's really, really good. Nora Ephron, of course, is one of the greatest modern female writers in America. She's probably most well-known for, you know, her scripts that she did, Sleepless in Seattle, You've Got Mail, Julie and Julia. Mm Mm-hmm. Those are fantastic, but really her essays are wonderful. She's started writing essays in the 70s for Esquire, Vanity Fair, you know, columns, things in the New Yorker. Really fantastic essays about women, primarily. Yes. And they're wonderful. She started saying things that people did not used to write about. Now, you know, with the internet, it's just like everybody writes about everything. (laughs) Right? No, but she was such a pioneer of that. Totally a pioneer. She wrote about feminism, but also from a perspective that maybe wasn't being shared in the media. She wrote about her boobs. She wrote about sex. Eventually, in the 2000s, she started writing about aging. She wrote a Mm. really great book of essays called I Feel Bad About My Neck. Yes. And then after that, a book called I Remember Nothing. Really great 
stuff. If you're not familiar with Nora Ephron, you, you know, you need to be seek her out. Her, a lot of her stuff's online and you can read it. But the documentary, which is my actual awesome of the week was made by her son. She passed away in 2012 and he sort of started this as a project to kind of help her live on both with himself and with her fans. And it has interviews with fantastic people. She had a really rich life. She knew amazing writers and media people and actors and everything in her life. A lot of those people give touching interviews that kind of explore different sides of her that maybe you didn't know. She became a director Mm -hmm. and maybe was um, a tough, a tough cookie. Right. Yes. In that way. She was very blunt. She's very funny. So it's a loving portrayal mostly, but it definitely does sort of show her, um, the sides of her that were harsher. It's not totally. It's not sugarcoated. It's not sugarcoated. Mm -hmm. It's very interesting. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, as a big time reader myself, a wannabe writer, I just, I thought the whole thing was very well done. There's, they sort of cut in these, these pieces where women are reading some of her work, specifically some of her earlier work. Oh, wow. So like Meg Ryan, oh, Reese Witherspoon, so good. Lena Dunham, who yeah. has claimed to be really influenced by her. And they're reading just excerpts of some of her earlier pieces. And that is really touching in between yeah. the sort of interviews and old footage of her and everything. It's just a really well done doc on an important American woman yeah. for, you know, our generation, generation before us. And it, it just was great. I love it. It's on HBO. It's called Everything is Copy by her son, Jacob Bernstein. Mm-hmm. And I think that everybody should watch it. I definitely want to check it out. I did not come across Nora Ephron until I was in college. So I feel like that was actually the perfect time to discover her writing. Yes. Sounds fantastic. I love it. Highly recommend. What is your awesome? Okay. Well, my awesome is Thread Up, which we have talked about briefly on the show before. Uh, In fact, when Amy Allen Clark came on the show, she had talked about using Thread Up, which is sort of like an online consignment service where you can send to them your clothes that you don't want anymore. They kind of look at everything you've sent in and say, okay, we'll pay you this much or whatever, give you credit. Um, but you can also shop from there. Well, I did not know what I was going to do for an Easter dress this year. And I was running out of time. And I don't even know how or why the inspiration struck. But I was like, I'm just going to look at Thread Up. I could not find anything that I was super excited about at my usual, in my usual places that I stopped. So I went over and looked and I found actually this dress I'm wearing right now. <laughs> Oh, it's pretty. Everyone will have to take my word for it. It is very pretty. (laughs) And I was so excited. I actually had like $20 in credit for ThreadUp. And this dress was like listed at 30. And it was originally like an $80 dress or whatever. Still had the tags on. And I was like, that is such a cute dress. And I am definitely in that phase of life because I have two three-year-old boys where I just, oh, I do not like to make a huge investment in clothes because they're going to get wrecked in some way. Got it. Yeah. So in fact, on Easter Sunday, which was a few days ago, we got up, went to church, we went to 
Kyle's mom's house for Easter dinner, family dinner afterwards, after uh, church. And so we eat and I, of course, take the boys out in the backyard so they do not tornado through and destroy my mother-in-law's house. And so the boys are playing in the backyard and I'm sitting by John Kyle and he's digging in one of my mother-in-law's planters. There's just like, it's it, there's nothing's planted in there. It's just potting soil. And next thing I know, like, in a, you know how kids can do things so fast, you can't even intervene. He's scooping a big handful of potting soil into his mouth and he swallowed it. I knew where this was going. I saw it. <laughs> Before I even had a chance to be like, wait, what? And then, and then it gets better. He swallowed it and his digestive system immediately was like, no. <laughs> no, thank you on the No, dirt. thanks. And he just went ahead and threw up a mouthful of dirt right onto my brand new dress. And I was just like, this is why. I don't spend big bucks on clothes right now. But I, I, and that's just one illustration of why shopping when you have little kids at home can be a little tricky because you want to look nice, of course, but oh my gosh, there's so many crazy random things that can happen to your clothes. So anyway, this was my first thread up experience. I found it to be super easy. In fact, I didn't know you could do this. When I went to check out, I was hoping that they have PayPal because I love to not have to get up and find my debit card when I'm. <laughs> when I'm getting ready to check out online. But even better than PayPal, they let you connect to your amazon.com account. And however you pay for your Amazon stuff, they're just like, here, pay for your thread up stuff too. Right. Okay. So easy. I loved it. Wait, I have a question. So this was the first time you've ever used thread up ever? Ever. Now I've never sent clothes in and this was the first time I'd shopped there. So do you know, I'm just going to ask, if you send clothes in, Mm -hmm. you just said they buy the clothes from you and then, or give you credit right. one or the other. Yes. And, and then you're done. It's, yes. So it's not consignment in the sense where right. you send it. And then once they sell it, they yes. give you a commission that's, or whatever. That's a good distinction to make. I should not have said consignment because that's true. Um, I do believe that they just, they give you whatever they're going to give you either store credit or cash. And then uh, you don't have to wait for your stuff to sell, which is what you would normally do in a consignment setup, right? That is better. Yes. Yes. But I think the thing is like, whatever their price is, like, that's it. There's no, like, once you send the stuff in, that's it. You're done. So I've browsed on ThreadUp because I've heard people talk about it. I've heard you talk about it, but I have never purchased anything. I will say they have designer stuff on they there. They do. As well. Yes. Yeah. This is DKNY jeans. So, I mean, you know, department store type stuff and even higher end stuff than you would find in a department store, depending on, you know, you, of course, like any kind of clothing resale, you have to keep an eye on their inventory and see what they've got. But you can but you find can, some good finds. Yeah. And you can set filters, which I like. You can yes. set like, yes. you know, if you're kind of several sizes in between or right. um, whatever. But then I also think you can set alerts for designers that you like. Oh, did not even know that. So if you really fit well in J. Crew things or whatever, yeah, yeah. then I think it will send you an email that like says, we have several new J. Crew pieces in. That's so you go great. Go check it out. Yeah. The, the whole customer service experience from shopping to the, till I got the package on my doorstep was great. So it was my first time using it. I loved it. So it's totally my awesome of the week. I like week. that. I like it. Yeah. Okay. Well, like I said at the top of the show, we are going to be talking all about friendship today. And if this sounds familiar to you, it may be because way back in episode 14 last summer, Laura and I did do an episode on friendship. So one of the most surprising things for us 
after that episode came out was all the discussions that came out from episode 14 about how difficult friendships can be when you are an adult. Were you a little surprised by that? Or did you anticipate that was going to be something that landed with people? No, I knew that the adult friendship topic is really fraught for a lot of people. It is totally. And is, and is really complicated for a lot of people, especially our age. And and we have a lot of ages of listeners, but in our age, I feel like we're in a transitional time of life where like maybe your childhood or high school or college friends are kind of fading out. The Mm -hmm. people that you thought were going to maybe go the whole distance. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you're kind of making that change. That's really hard for people. It is. It's a huge transition. Or maybe you're in a life transition where you've moved cities or Mm. changed jobs or whatever you've done. And are trying to find new friends and that is really hard. Yeah. I knew from writing about friendship online that people had the big feelings. Yeah. Well, about they, friendship. Yeah, and they definitely did share those with us, which we so appreciated hearing back on on that episode. There is a ton of hard and painful stuff about friendships when you're a grown up. Um so we're going to kind of flip that on the uh, other side of the coin to talk about friendship this week and I think that Laura and I find ourselves talking about this a lot because if you're new to the show, you may not know this, but Laura and I have been friends for over two decades since we were in high school and throughout our friendship, really from the time we were teenagers on through into adulthood, you and I, we've just talked about friendship in a very meta way, you know, a lot like assessing friendships, talking about dynamics, helping each other through these friendship transitions Um, When we moved to a small town, oh gosh, eight years ago in Oklahoma, we don't live there anymore. But when we first moved there, we didn't know a soul. And thankfully, Laura and a couple of other of our close friends from high school really got me through that transition via email threads. We would have these epic noveling email threads. And it was so comforting to have that touch point for friendship when I literally did not have another friend in the world to talk to. So anyway, we're going to talk about the fun part of friendship today because one of the best things about having really good, strong, solid friendships when you're adult is that you begin to kind of build a council of people around you through your friendships who are speaking in all kinds of wisdom and richness into your life. So Laura, you and I have talked about this idea of the life council quite a bit. I love the life council. I feel like when somebody introduced that concept to me, and I don't even know where it came from, but when somebody was talking about a life council, like a group of people that you can come to if you have questions, if you need advice, like trusted people on all levels of serious and not. Yeah. I was like, oh, no, that makes a lot of sense to me. Totally makes sense. I am now officially cobbling together my life council. Yes. So we thought, well, what kind of people should be included in your life council? In fact, like what kinds of friends should you be looking for? Because that's the great thing about friendship when you're an adult. You're not just confined to the people that are in your classes in high school or who are the same major as you in college or who, you know, live across the hall from you. When you are grown up, you have the freedom to go out and seek out these friendships and build friendships from scratch if you want to. So, And also you can take the friends that you do have and maybe recognize in them like what the relational value is. Oh yeah, that's to true. You. And be like, you know, this person might not be who I want to go shopping with, but they are who I want to ask 
ask about serious money matters. So true. Yeah. And then you can kind of let go of of disappointments of this friend isn't the end all be all. Right. Exactly. Which is, I think what I hope you all get out of today's show is that a diversity of friends is nothing but good in your life. Even though sometimes you gotta, you gotta dig out the awesome in it for sure. That's true. (laughs) I mean, best friends that fulfill a lot of roles are amazing. Yes, of course. Clearly. I can say that to you. Yes. And I have, I have multiple really close dear friends in my life that fulfill a number of roles just as a single human. But sometimes friends that you have, they just don't, they don't tick more than one box. (laughs) And that's okay. That's okay. Yes. All right. So 10 friends every woman needs in her life. Laura, get us started on this list. My first one is a friend who has made more mistakes than you have. Awesome. Totally. By that, I only mean someone who's older than you. And I think that it's Really invaluable to have friends who are further along in their life's journey because the women I have learned the most from in my whole entire life have almost always been older than me. This is true when I was young, when I was in high school and college in my 20s. It's really true now that I'm married with children because women friends who can speak honestly about the work of marriage and parenting from a place of experience as opposed to like a peer will really change your life. Oh my gosh, yes. It's priceless. It's priceless. I have a lot of older women friends in my life, some that are just friends that I enjoy, others that have been more mentors type. And in particular, I'm thinking about two friends, um, you know them, we're mutual friends, who are older than me, about 10 years older than me. They're best friends with each other. They have almost grown children. And they are awesome parenting resources for me. I can go to them and ask them any kind of parenting question and listen to their response all day. And honestly, that's that's not a subject that I seek out. Like, I don't really right. like to talk about parenting right, right. that much. Yeah. But these friends who are just hilarious in their approach of it, and they just, they each have a lot of kids. (laughs) So they have a lot of stories and they have a lot of really good practical advice. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I think for people like that, you don't even have to have the exact same parenting style as someone or the exact same values, but just hearing like, oh, well, my one kid did this and then my other kid did it this way and whatever. Just hearing someone who's older that you trust, there's a wisdom there like for the ages. Absolutely. That's so true. I think back even when I was you know, when I was teaching, it was so important to me to have those teachers that were a few years ahead of me to answer questions and bounce ideas off of. And that whole thing, it's just translated into every season of my life. So good. Okay. Well, the first friend I have on my list is a friend who knows what's in your freezer. Ooh. <laughs> That's not even a euphemism or a word picture. I like talking about your literal freezer. So I realized the importance of this kind of friend through my friend, Catherine. I've talked about her a few times on the show. She and I have known each other since middle school. We went to college together. Now we live five minutes away from each other. But even though we live so close and we've known each other for a long time, honestly, a lot of our friendship lives on Boxer because we both have kids that are just activities and all kinds of stuff going on all the time. So we have started this habit, not intentionally, but we... Every morning, Vox, every school morning, we Vox after we've dropped off our kids and kind of give each other the rundown on our day. And one day I was telling, I was like, okay, I'm going to head to the grocery store. I'm kind of thinking I'm going to pick up this. I was going to pull this out of the freezer. And then I just started telling her everything that 
that was in our like our chest freezer, you know, like our big serious freezer. I like gave her an inventory list. <laughs> That's a real friend right there. <laughs> it's a real friend. And when I realized what I had done, I was like, Catherine, this is the most boring message ever. I'm so sorry. But now you know it's in my freezer. And we just kind of latched on to that idea so that now daily, we we almost always finish our, our daily conversation of now you know what's in my freezer. So I think this is so great, especially for women and maybe especially for extroverted women. Catherine and I are both extroverts. Maybe an introverted, more introverted person would not want that much detail. <laughs> I don't know. No, I don't think that's true. As an introvert, I think that it is nice to have somebody who cares about like the mundane yes. details yes. of your day. Right. I feel like this takes a lot of the burden off of my husband, honestly. Yes. You know, it's especially as a stay-at-home mom or work-at-home mom, somebody who's home doing home-type stuff a lot – I used to get really frustrated because I would have all of these things, these little loose ends that needed to be tied up at the end of the day or these things to tick off of a list. And I would tell Kyle about it and you could just see the, the eyes glazing over like, oh, Lord, here we go again. But now Catherine gets all of that. Kyle has spared it. But it's so great in terms of like the life council concept because I think you do need somebody who can speak into your life, who like literally knows the ins and outs of your days. Mm -hmm. So for example, I have talked to Catherine quite a bit about like the boys in preschool. Should we start them now? What should we do? She knows what our day-to-day life looks like. Um, she knows the boys really well. And because she's in that like 3D space of seeing it all play out, she has a really unique perspective on it that my other friends who live far away wouldn't have. So no, I think I have that with my sister. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. She lives far away. So she doesn't understand the minutia of our everyday life in California necessarily, but she's the only person who is not bored if I go on and on about my kids. Right, right. Or yes. our parents. <laughs> <laughs> right, yes. Or our decision making on whatever, you know, like she's kind of a really great sounding board for me about a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's not exactly the same thing, but there's just very few friends or relationships where you, that you can really get into the nitty gritty details. Yes, exactly. Like the freezer. Like the freezer. And for me, this has become more important in the past few years, more than ever before. Um, and Catherine's not the only person that does this, but we have like almost, it's almost becomes like a check-in system. So if she doesn't hear from me for a few days, she's practically on my doorstep. Like what's going on? What's wrong? Mm -hmm. And so that's nice because sometimes when you're going through a thing, like you and I both have the anxiety stuff going on, or, you know, if things are off or if, if a situation has turned bad, whatever, you need that person to be like, you're really quiet. And I don't know what's in your freezer. So spill. <laughs> So it's nice. It's good. It's good. So that's my, that's the first one on my list. What's next on yours? Okay. Number two, and this might not be in everyone's life council, but it's in mine. And I think it should be in everyone's okay. life council. Okay. I feel nervous. A friend who knows the it bag of every season. And by that, oh, yeah. I mean mm -hmm. a friend with better taste than you. I'm, I'm all about personal style. I've talked a lot about personal style. I really like a person's distinct style, not just copied from the magazines. But have you ever noticed that in a group of friends, if one person has standout style, 
it raises everyone else's level. A thousand percent. A little bit. We all play up. That is so accurate. So it's so great to have that friend who knows the difference between like trendy and classic, who seems to kind of innately know what's flattering on body types, who follows breakout designers before they become famous and can kind of tell you mm-hmm. about them. Yes. That is the friend that you want to go shopping with because yeah. those friends can put together an outfit either at the thrift store or at the department store and they will teach you yes. how. Totally. When I first moved to Los Angeles, one of my early roommates was a girl who had grown up in California, and her best friend had grown up in New York City. And those two girls who had grown up in these, like, metropolitan areas versus my really small town upbringing, they taught me where to shop in L.A. and how to dress for different occasions in kind of a world that was new to me. Mm -hmm. Like, the internet existed. But it, it was really different. I was having a culture shock situation. Yeah. And so they taught me about how to shop and dress in Los Angeles. And I I think subconsciously I still follow some of those rules yeah. just by their influence. Not because they were like condescendingly like, let me teach you, but just being around them. Absolutely. Like I said, we all play up. I mean, and this was, we were all broke at the time. So this wasn't about spending crazy LA money. This was just like about style, finding your own style and knowing the good from the bad. This is a really good friend yes, to have. Definitely. Definitely. Well, the second friend on my list is a friend with whom no words are needed. Now that might be a little bit of a shocker because you all know. <laughs> this is a little bit of a when you say nothing at all moment. <laughs> yeah. It's more like, and you know, you know, of all people that words are a big deal to me. I love words and lots of them. But uh, a friend who knows you so well that you can just like non-verbally communicate. When you're in the same room, it's fantastic. You know, just a glance or Mm -hmm. an eye roll can communicate so much. Mm -hmm. But even over text um, or online, like, okay, so for example, my friend Vanessa, she lives about 20 minutes from here. We are very good friends. She has three kids. She's gone back to school to become a physician's assistant. So she's super busy. So we text a lot. And like, I would say it's accurate to say about 90% of our texts are just gifs and emojis, just back and forth. And she is so gifted in finding the perfect gif for any situation. Like I can text her, you know, like a rant about something or something I'm really excited about. And she always, she's like on the spot with the best response. I love gifs so much. They're like (laughs) secondary love language that... I just, I don't know. There's just that thing of being so well-known. Like another thing too is um, we both really, <laughs> confession time, we both really enjoy finding the right gif of either Scott Foley or John Krasinski, gentlemen who are sort of pleasing to the eye to look at. And so, <laughs> you know, she'll be studying for an exam or something and I'll just send her like a shower of John Krasinski texts. And, um, but really the thing is like when somebody sends just the right nonverbal thing, again, whether it's via text or you're in the same room together, it's that connection of just like, she gets me. She really knows me. Um, and there's a lot of ways that you can be totally different from someone, but you connect on that level that is like, yeah, I feel like she really knows me. Okay, so. I am not that friend to you. You hate emojis. I don't think I've ever even texted you a GIF ever. I 
You don't even use smiley face emoticons in your text. I don't really. I like GIFs. Now, listen, I'm on board with any, any image of Scott Foley. But (laughs) for the record, for the record, I feel like GIFs are some kind of alien language that I don't understand, but that everybody else does. Like I'm a foreign exchange student. Right, right. When people start doing this, like I'll be on, you know, threads, text threads or threads on the internet of like where people are just sharing tips back and forth. And I have to like look at them and like screw up my face and like kind of be like, I don't, what are we saying here? <laughs> Which is why I intentionally do not trouble you with my GIF obsession. And I don't understand. How do people find them so fast? Well, do you want to t- hear the practical ways for real? Yeah, kind of. Okay. Okay. Well, so I know I, I have a keyboard enabled on my iPhone. It's called like RIFC, I think. A GIF keyboard? A GIF keyboard. So on an iPad, I mean, on a, well, maybe on an iPad too, but on an iPhone keyboard, you have that little globe, you know, uh-huh, uh-huh. and it will switch keyboards for you. So you can go to your emojis, which I know you never use. If you keep pushing it, if you have this keyboard enabled, it opens up a whole menu and you can search by keyword. So if you want an eye roll GIF, you just type in eye roll and it will bring up all kinds of GIFs. You just tap the one you want. It copies it. And then you click that globe button again. So it goes back to your regular, you know, your text conversation, click paste, and there you go. And then you send it. This is completely new information to me. I had no idea people didn't know that. (laughs) No, you have to leave this in because this is useful and practical information. I will totally leave it in. I'll put a link in the show notes because now I'm like, is that the name of it? I feel like it's called Riff C. Anyway, I will for sure put the accurate name into the show notes. And of course, when I'm online, I use um, Jiffy.com a lot to find. They have an extensive catalog. But it just feels like everybody always has like different ones. Yeah, yeah. Laura, there are, <laughs> there are millions of chips to choose from on the internet. Am I like your grandma who's like adjusting her glasses and be like, this yes. newfangled thing? Yes, you are. But you're a grandma with a darling haircut. So <laughs> it looks too. so good. Nice. So good. I want to clarify too, because I feel like there's probably people that are cringing because I'm saying GIF instead of GIF. I did the internet research. It's for sure GIF. Oh, I remember when this was like a whole big thing, okay. like a year ago, two years mm-hmm. ago, when people were like, it's GIF, and it was like the internet exploded. Yes. So I have like tried to say it right since then. It takes a little getting used to, but then you get it. Okay. Third on your list. Let's hear it. My third friend that everyone must have is a yes man friend. Oh, that's so good. Who wouldn't want that? I know. It's probably not the coolest thing I've ever said, but I'm going to say it anyway, because it's nice to have a friend that adores you and who agrees with you about almost everything, who you can vent to about your husband, your mom, your job, and who will not try to make you see it from another perspective. So true. Yes. Like the non-challenging friend. Right. 100% in your corner, no questions asked. I love it. I mean... Maybe that person is not the most dynamic Mm -hmm. personality in your life. Mm -hmm. You know, possibly she's not the deepest thinker Mm -hmm. that you've ever met. (laughs) However, (laughs) she's usually down for a margarita. Yay. Yes. Mm -hmm. And she will not tap the brakes when you want to overshare. Right. She is supportive. Yeah. And you can ugly cry in front of her because she loves you. 
Yeah, and she's not even going to flinch, totally. No, she doesn't, like, love you, but she needs to give you some hard truth. Right. No. <laughs> she just loves you. She just loves you. I love that. Everybody needs a yes man. I think so. Totally. It's a simple friendship, but it's a, it's a good one. Yes. And I hope that I can be a yes man to people in my life, too. It's oh, funny yeah. we're talking about these friendships because this is reciprocal as well. Like, I'm trying to think, what friend am I to people? Ooh, I didn't even think about that when I was making my list. Yeah, you have to think about who, like, what value you're serving to your friends. I know what mine is. I mean, this is a bit of a tangent, but I am known in almost every (laughs) circle of friends I have as the bossy one. The bossy pants. I tell people exactly what to do with their life, exactly what to do with anything. I, it is really hard for me to stuff it down and not tell people what to (laughs) do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, when you were talking about everyone needs a yes man, I remember this just brought back a, a very vivid memory for some reason of when I was in college, I had a really good friend who's a year, few years ahead of me and she had had a really serious boyfriend like since high school and we were in college and they had broken up. And then another friend of ours had come in and was chitter chattering about the, the now ex-boyfriend's new girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And my friend, I know, right? My friend was so hurt. And I remember her very vividly. And she was not a confrontational person. But I remember her very vividly being like, I just need you to be my friend right now, you know? And just like, whether you're in a crisis moment or whether you do just need to tell somebody about the ridiculous thing that your mom just told you, you need somebody who's like going to just be in your corner. Like, right or wrong. Right or wrong. They are not there to to persuade you to think differently. Right. <laughs> Love it. Okay. So my next one is a friend who speaks your language. And now I'm not actually talking about your actual language. Although, hey, that's a great foundation. Let's start there. (laughs) Let's start with the same spoken language. But really, a friend who speaks your language, um, somebody who gets the thing that you're into and like knows how to talk to you about it. So I'm going to unpack this a little bit, I guess. For me, when I am into something, I'm like 100% all in for that moment. And to be able to have friends in your life who speak that same common language is so huge and so helpful. I'm thinking about like, even when I was a teacher, I, I know I referenced this before, but when I was a teacher, I noticed if you ever get a group of teachers together, say for margaritas or whatever, they're only going to talk about education and classroom issues because it just weighs so heavily on their mind. A lot of them are just thinking about it all the time. And I can remember how incredibly valuable that was for me when I was fresh out of college, first year teacher, just hearing people using that common language when I would go to them for, you know, like, I don't know what to do with this classroom management problem. They could talk to me in educational theory, but how it applies and those types of things was so important. And honestly, I have found that that has come up time and time again. You know, like when you're a new mom, like all new moms sort of speak the same language. Mm-hmm. They talk about the same brands, talk about the same books that are important. Um, for blogging, the time that I was blogging, that was a huge thing for you and I. Mm-hmm. You know, we've been friends forever, but our friendship definitely took a deeper turn when we were both blogging because we were talking the same language right. about you know, the problems about the, our goals, about our dreams and, and those types of things within that sphere of, um, the, the online work that we were doing. So yeah, just somebody who understands like the technical thing of the thing that you're into, even if it's silly something that they get all of your references and they just speak that same language back to you. I'm almost like this with music too. Music is not, um, a phase for me. Like I've, 
always been into music and I can't imagine not being into music. So when somebody, when I have a friend who sends me a song and is like, I really think you'd like this. Have you heard this one? First of all, that anyone would send me a song. I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel so left right now. And then if they get it, if they get my taste, I'm like, I'm yours forever, forever and ever. You made for me two, two CDs that were mixtape. Oh yeah. I remember that. That was a long time ago. It was. And not only did you put the songs on there, you took the time to write liner notes about why you liked each of those songs and why you thought I might get them. Laura, I saved those for years. I probably still have them around here somewhere. They were so meaningful to me because music just is my language for sure. That was back when I had more time on my hands. <laughs> yes. I'm that way about books. I mean, I feel like yes, yeah. if I can shorthand with someone about books and we are not, we don't have to necessarily agree. We don't have the same taste, but if we're reading the same things or we know the authors that are big in this genre or that, whatever, if we can just talk about that, that is, I feel like it, I felt met a kindred spirit, even if nothing else about them yes. applies yeah. to my life. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. I mean, I think just like on a human level, we all want to be known and we crave that thing of like, you're my people. You get me. And so when somebody just naturally can see, speak that same language, or like you said, just the shorthand of whatever the thing is, just that being understood thing really comes through. Again, it can be something silly or it can be something totally serious, but yeah, somebody speaks your language and gets you. Okay. My next one is the opposite okay. of that. Okay. But I think it's important. A friend who worships at a different altar. Ooh. And by that, I mean someone who challenges your belief system. It doesn't have to be religious. Of course, it can be, you know, political or, you know, any anything that is a foundational belief that might be really different from yours. And I totally understand the comfort and appeal of having friends who are really homogenous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like surrounding yourself Super with comforting. a lot of yes. people who think the same way you do. There's a value in that as well. I have lived large and lovely chunks of my life with girlfriends who thought and dressed and acted in similar ways to me. Um, and I don't even condemn that. I, I believe in the power of a tribe like that. However, I do not think you learn much right. in groups like that. Yeah. They're echo chambers. And um, I think for people to truly understand and empathize with others and to really practice acceptance and to experience tolerance acted upon you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That is, um, it's just really crucial to have friendships like that. I remember I'm in such a majority in Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. My race, my religion, my politics were very in line with most other people that I knew growing up in Oklahoma. When I moved to California and was a minority there, not not an actual minority, but was belief system wise, not the same as most of the people I met. And to see people have to actively tolerate me, I was like, well, this is a new experience. Sure. Yeah. But it, it, there's so much growth there. You know, I needed that. I actually needed to be broken out of my, the echo chamber I grew up in and, and to be like, okay, there is a different perspective here. There is a legit other belief system that is coming from also loving and thoughtful people. They're, just because they're different from me does not mean that they're wrong or bad or 
any of those other things. And I think that if even if you live in a really homogenous community right now, if you just have one, even just one person, even if it's just online. It's a great place to start. Who is expressing thoughts that are different from yours. Mm -hmm. If you can attempt to hear it, you will be changed. Absolutely agree. I think that we really can build these tight little circles based on our views on things because it is comforting and feels safe, feels good. But honestly, that can lead to a lot of atrophy, really, because we we need to be able to keep our muscles working, the ones that help us to provide compassion, to help us to see other people's perspectives. So when you seek out those different people, it really gives your compassion and understanding muscles workout. And sometimes it's really uncomfortable. Oh, like, most of the time it's really uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. Like an actual workout, you know, like yeah. blood, sweat and tears kind of thing. But it's, well, to go back to what you said, there's just so much potential for, for just growth as a human being. In those kinds of friendships. You know, I was having a hard time several years ago. Um, I was having what one might call a faith crisis. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. But I wrote about it a little bit online. And and I just gave the, the barest peek into this. I did not deep dive yeah. into what was going on with me. I didn't, I didn't want to do that online. But anyway, I, I gave a peek online. And... One of the messages I got from someone who I know loves me and meant well was that I needed to move back mm-hmm. to being around people who didn't challenge me. Right. I remember that. Yeah. And I had a visceral reaction sure. to that suggestion Yeah, that in order to not be having a faith crisis. What I needed was to come back into the fold and stop Mm. questioning. And I was like, no, 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 no. That's actually not the solution to a person who's having any kind of a challenging emotional time, you know, yeah, or a paradigm shift, a potential paradigm shift or an actual one, a paradigm shift. And I also think that's sort of a dumb way to think. I mean, how I responded to him was, look, I feel like I would have come into this line of thinking even if I had stayed in a community that was all similar because I'm a thinking adult human and I still would have had questions or read certain things or whatever. Like you cannot pretend that if you stay in one place forever that you will stay the same. I don't really think it works that way. Yeah. I think some people choose to make it work that way. Sure, sure, sure. It's fine to put blinders on and acknowledge that you're putting blinders on and that life is easier one way. This is a real tangent we've taken. No, I think it's good though. I think it really speaks to you because this is a really hard friendship. Um, It doesn't necessarily have to be like stressful or or fraught, you know, but you got to be intentional about it. So I think it's good that we're sort of chasing this rabbit down this trail because there's some risk involved. So. No, there is. The friend, I have multiple friends who have really radically different belief systems than I do, both religiously, politically, you know, watch different TV shows, like everything. <laughs> I I have some opposites attract type friends. And I feel like they are hard because like it or not, you're, you're sometimes judging one another. Yeah. 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 And you're sometimes being the recipient of being judged and you just have to like power through yes. to the love part. Yeah. It's so good. I think that in the way our culture is, behaving right now, like the things that are happening, I think it's actually more important than ever. It's easier than ever to block out those opposing viewpoints, but I think it's more necessary than ever 
to find somebody who is different. Even if you have to start with a safe, different person, start there and start to build in hearing those different perspectives in your life. Yep. Okay. My next one on my list is somebody who is a queen of the call out. Oh, yes. Now I, on paper should be the last person who would want this in my life. I am an Enneagram type nine, which means I avoid conflict like crazy. So why would I seek out somebody who's going to come into my life and call me out on things? But for that very reason, it's so important to have somebody who is going to call me out on something that is a little bit baloney, you know, (laughs) I'm trying to pass off his steak. (laughs) And honestly, I mean, I say call out because that's sort of a common term in our culture, somebody who is actually going to confront you and be like, no, wait a second. I don't think that you know, this doesn't actually match up with what you or your personal views are, or somebody who can just come into your life and say, let's, let's talk about this, because I'm not hearing you correctly, or or whatever, they're going to call you out. But actually, I think a better phrase, a phrase that I really love is calling someone forth. And like really being able to dig into like, you, you know, I know you as a person, and I know these are your values. The things that you're saying or the things that you're doing right now, they don't match who I know you to be as a person. So let's dig into this and figure out what's going on. And that's a hard thing. And I think it has to be somebody that you really trust. And maybe it's not like your closest friend that you who knows everything that's in your freezer, but it's somebody who knows you on a level that they get you and they're not afraid to come into your life and say like, "Mm, mm -mm, I'm going to call shenanigans on this. (laughs) We need to talk it out and get this sorted through. I think... That you and I do that with one another, and but I think we do it in a in a not scary way, like in a yes. casual way. And for some people, that might not work. The the casualness of because it's not necessarily a casual thing to call someone out. But like, I really don't have a big problem like saying to you, like you're being crazy today. Right, it's true, and I can hear that from you without being offended. It's and good. I have people in my life who um, who definitely can do that to me as well. But you know what's funny is I already mentioned my sister. I take things differently from different people in my life. So when my sister calls me out, which she does, we have that relationship, but I am... Get a little defensive. I'm, yeah. I, you know, sibling relationships. Oh, of course. You know, we yes. start when you're young poking at each other, you know? So sometimes when she calls me out, even if I like know in my gut immediately that she's right, I will be like, you don't know me. That's so awesome. <laughs> which isn't true. She totally knows me exactly. Course, yeah. Whereas sometimes I'll have someone who is like a, a much, much more shallow relationship who will call me out and I'm like, you're so right. <laughs> yes, it's true. It's true. And you can have somebody in your life who you're not necessarily like inseparable besties with, but they just can speak to you in a way where you're like, no, you're right. I actually am a crazy person today. So yes. Yeah. Good stuff. Okay. We're told the last ones on our list. So number five from you, let's hear it. My last one is maybe the most important one. <laughs> okay. A friend who knows all your passwords. Uh, yeah. Listen, you guys, this is literal passwords. This is not. No, literal passwords. This is not a metaphor. As soon as this episode is done, everyone needs to craft an email to the person in their life and give them, give them your Facebook password. Yes. Give them the combination to the lock safe in your house, whatever it is. 
Someone needs to know that. And this is like both funny and totally not funny. Like if something were to happen to you, Mm -hmm. you need a person who can go in and shred things if needed. I'm, I'm a hundred percent serious about this. Yes. Press delete on certain messages Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) or, you know, just, you just need somebody who knows your passwords for lots of reasons. (laughs) If you need to make an escape in the night. This is getting very dramatic. No, I don't know. I don't know what anyone's life circumstances will be, but for some reason, like years ago, I remember telling you, I was like, we really, we need to know each other's social media passwords. This is for real. This is serious. This serious. <laughs> this is like your emergency contacts list. Yes. And I think that that friend, and you can choose that particular friend for all kinds of reasons because they're trustworthy, because they're particularly social media savvy. It doesn't matter. Whatever reason that you choose that friend, and it's not all just about social media, although that's the obvious one right now. It can be any number of things. Yeah. Somebody, and not just your spouse, because who knows what's going to happen, right. needs to know your passwords. That's a, that's a key person in your life. It is. And honestly, somebody that you have to trust implicitly. Like, yes. yeah. Yeah. That's huge. It's such a weird thing that... Somebody needs to know all your passwords because so much of our lives are enmeshed in our online stuff. So that's huge. And um, I actually also have a pen and paper thing that I need to have disposed of. (laughs) If something should happen to me, Catherine has specific instructions like go to my house and find this and throw it away. (laughs) No, I... A hundred percent, I'm behind that. Yeah. I have a lawyer friend who she has a co-worker example of this where if something were to happen to her, that co-worker would know to go into her office and what mm-hmm. to take care of. And this is in a work scenario, like what needs to be shredded, what yeah. needs to be deleted, mm-hmm. what needs to be marked as done, whatever. <laughs> the ultimate completion. Yes. <laughs> so true. So, so true. true. Okay. Well, the last one on my list is a friend who is a history major, someone who majored in you, (laughs) your history, somebody really who does know a lot of your history because, and again, I guess this keeps coming up in, in what I'm saying a lot. Maybe it's a bigger deal to me than I thought, but so much of the human experience is just, do people see me Do people know me? Do people get me? And I think when you have a friend who knows your personal history, it's so key and so helpful for being known. Now, for some people, it might be somebody you've literally known for a long time. For example, you and I, two decades of friendship, you have seen some of my biggest missteps, (laughs) some of my most unfortunate decisions. Um, we've also seen some of my happiest moments too. You, I spent the night with you at your parents' house the night before my wedding. I mean, you've been there for some huge milestones along the way. So maybe it's somebody that you have actually known in real time for a long time, or maybe it's somebody that you meet them and you just hit it off and you click. And before you know it, you're just pouring out your whole life story to them and they share their life story with you. And then going forward in the future, when you're telling a story, you do, you have like that personal shorthand with each other. Like we were talking about the shorthand with like the things that you're into. But when you have somebody in your life who knows your personal shorthand, for example, if I were to say to you, well, my parents are coming into town and I can just kind of pause and you fill in that pause and I go on with the, the rest of the story and they'll be here for the weekend or whatever. In that pause, you're just like, I know the whole thing of that. Right. <laughs> yes. And I do. Yes. And so, and, and again, it could be somebody that you've known for a long time or somebody that you've just met, but that just the, that history is there enough to where 
every single time a situation comes up, you don't have to repeat like, my parents are coming into town and that is problematic because (laughs) (laughs) it's just so comforting, just so comforting to know as a person that you have at least one person in your life. Hopefully it's more than one, but at least one person in your life that just knows the whole history of it all, you know, going back to the beginning. And that is a person who, again, speaking back to that life cancel concept, when you go to them with a thing, like, what do you think about this? Or what do you think about this direction I'm heading? Or I'm I'm kind of thinking about doing this. Again, it saves so much conversation because they know the whole, they know the whole history of you. They have majored in your history up until this point. And that is going to inform the advice that they give you in really spectacular ways. Yeah, that's definitely a person who should sit on your life council. And as you're cobbling together your life council, or if you're imagining right now, like who sits on my life council if I were to come before them (laughs) as a panel? (laughs) Which wouldn't that be awesome to do? (laughs) You have the wise one, you have the freezer one, you have the passwords holder, you have the (laughs) things. And you're like, you guys, I need some help. Yes. Wouldn't that be amazing? It would be incredible. Yeah. But I think, you know, you seek counsel. What we're what we're really talking about with all of these people, even the yes man friend, you are in your own way seeking counsel for all of these people. Like yeah. you need all of these different people yeah. in your life. If you only have the same type of friend, then you you probably are feeling a hole. That's so true. I think this is something that we've known instinctively for a while, but a couple of situations have come up in our own life and in the lives of some of our mutual friends that have really driven this point home. Sometimes you need your life counsel and it's not even for like a major decision. Like, should I leave my career? I'm ready to have a baby. I think we might need a divorce. I mean, sometimes, yeah, you do need a life counsel for a huge thing, but sometimes you just have a thing that you're spinning out about in your own head. There's not a decision to be made, but you just need someone to hear you and just kind of help you straighten it out. And that's a huge part of the life counsel idea for me, I think, is just to be able to lay the whole thing, whatever it is out on the table and have people that know you in these really specific ways speak back to you like, okay, here's what I'm hearing going on. And you know what? They may land in totally opposite places. And that's actually okay too, because you're getting those unique perspectives that that you need to be able to kind of sort through the whatever is making you spin out. I think out. you'll hear what you need to hear, even if they say different things. But sometimes to ask a number of trustworthy voices, and this is sort of a vulnerable thing to ask, even if it's a, a stupid thing. Recently, I asked um, a kind of a group of friends a stupid thing that, like you said, I had been spinning out on. And just their responses, which were different from one another's, I immediately knew like, oh, okay. Yes. For some reason, it unlocked. It was like a click. And it was like an unlock of what I could not get my own spinning out of. Yes. But hearing from them. And so like kind of what a scary thing to ask, again, on a stupid question like mine or on a deeper question, is to say like, what do you see in me? Yes. Not like, what do you see in me as a person? Like, what do you you know, I'm asking you this question, like, what do you see for me? Right. Yeah. And that's like sort of a a vulnerable thing to ask because what if they say something that you're not anticipating? Right. But if you've trusted them, if they're on your life council, so to speak, maybe you won't take their advice necessarily, but probably whatever thoughts are going to come back at you are valuable to either say, nope, that's not it. Or to say, yeah, that's it. You, You are seeing something for me. 
that I just cannot see for myself. Yeah, so true. Well, it has been so wonderful just to sit and talk. Face-to-face. Face-to-face about friendship stuff. We would love to hear from you all. We got so much response from our last friendship episode. I know you all have thoughts. We would love to hear if you have a life council and if you have some other ideas about friends that everybody needs in their life. So come find us on social media so we can continue the conversation there. Laura, remind us where we can find you all around the web. I am on Instagram, which is my favorite, and Twitter as Hollywood HWife. I'm on Facebook as The Hollywood Housewife. And if you're just looking for me in general, you can find all of those channels at HollywoodHousewife.com. Okay. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Sorta Awesome Meg. You can come and find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Sorta Awesome. And the show is also on Instagram at Sorta Awesome Show. Thanks for listening, and we'll see y'all next time. Sorta Awesome was created by me, Megan Teets, and is produced each week in collaboration with Kelly Gordon, Rebecca Hoffer, and Laura Tremaine. Visit us on the web at SortaAwesomeShow.com, where you can sign up for the show's newsletter, connect with the Sorta Awesome community, and find show notes for each episode of Sorta Awesome. Music is provided by the band Prager. Find out more at ProgerMusic.com. We'll meet you back here next time as we discover, explore, and discuss all the things that make life sorta amazingly awesome. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.